You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. As well, you can hear these podcasts at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, which are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 317 by Rudolf Steiner, 12 Lectures, entitled Education for Special Needs, the Curative Education Course, 12 Lectures, translated by Anna Moise. This is Lecture 6, given in Dornach on the 1st of July, 1924. Dear friends, I'd like to set a pattern this day which can then evolve in various directions. To begin with, so that we'll have a basis for our discussions, I would like to consider Sandro's history. The boy has been here from 11 September 1923. He was nine when he came. His mother had been well in her pregnancy and traveled through Spain in the fifth month. The birth was extremely difficult. He had to be turned and forceps were needed. The boy was doing well in his first year, and there was no idea of possible abnormality. He did lie in the sun for a long spell when he was six months old, and afterward went into a kind of faint, having lain in the sun for so long, and then had a temperature. He was on mother's milk for three months only. From his ninth month to his third year, he was a very poor eater. He did not want to eat anything then. In his second summer, the parents noticed that his eyes changed and were less clear. And he was not yet talking nor walking in his second year, and would usually start to scream at four o'clock at night for no apparent reason. He developed the habit, a habit we must always take note of, of sucking his thumb. Cardboard guards were attached to his elbows and aluminum bells to his hands at night. He wore these for three years. Development then continued to be retarded. He was still not able to speak coherently at five years of age. Then came the changing of the teeth. It started in his seventh year. The middle teeth have been replaced, but not yet all the upper ones. Quote, has he had any more new teeth? Close quote. Quote, he has one more now. Close quote. Quote, one of the front teeth is also still missing? Close quote. Quote, it is there now. The other was strongly developed before. His mother says that his father had also been a late developer, his teeth changing very late too. Sandro was not very strong when he came to us. His weight was 24 kilograms. His bones are delicate. Hands and feet are very large in relation to the body. His hands are very awkward, clumsy. His general condition showed nothing unusual. We then saw him grow progressively more restless and difficult. His table manners are not the best. Bodily functions normal. He has grown much calmer, more human, since January 1924. Things in the world around him started to interest him and amaze him. Attention to the outside world, something one must try and help him to develop, was there, not only intellectually, but involving heart and mind. He was amazed at things in the world around him. The point is that intellectual interest will not be therapeutic. One has to engage the will and feelings when turning attention to the outside world. 
Sandro was developing trust in people and was now recognizing someone he'd met before, where originally he would have been fairly disinterested, walking straight past people. It is difficult to get him to do things. He does not really want to do the things he does do, but he had learned the useful occupation of knitting at least a bit by January. It is a matter of introducing children to such an occupation, which will on the one hand be mechanical, making them move, and yet also needs attention, for one can drop stitches when knitting. His favorite plaything is a cart or sledge. He may go on for hours, talking about nothing but his cart. This is something similar to what I discussed yesterday. He is quickly learning to speak German and to understand it, so that is the current condition. Now, if you look at the boy, quote, uh, come over to me, Sandro, close quote, you will note various things. Above all, I'd draw your attention to the way the lower half of the face is strongly developed. Look at the cut of the nose and the part around the mouth. His mouth is slightly open, which affects dental development, something that should not be ignored. For these things very much have a connection with the whole constitution in mind and soul. Here we must not put things the wrong way round. That the mouth is open because of his dental development. No, there is a common cause. And that is that the lower human being cannot be fully controlled by the upper one. Looking at this, you will notice many things. Let us imagine that the seat of power for the upper human being, the system of senses and nerves, is here. It has an effect on the rest of the human being. For in the first period of life, this part is most developed and brings most powers with it from the embryonic period and also has the most developed powers during the embryonic period. Everything else is in turn dependent on this. The lower part develops directly from the constitution of the mother's body, but everything else is indirectly dependent on what is developing here. The system of the jaws developing here is a system of limbs. The system of limbs also belongs to this. It is limb system. It's completely part of the head system. Here the head system is not strong enough to involve the limb system completely, and external forces are having too much of an influence on the system of limbs here. When you have a well-formed individual with the lower part of the head fitting in harmoniously, you have to visualize that the nervous system is governing the system of metabolism and limbs to the greatest possible degree. Then external forces do not have too great an influence. If the head is not able to govern the rest of the system, outside forces will greatly influence the rest of the system. You can see this because the arms are not of the size, nor of the legs, which they would have if they were included but they have grown too large because of too many external influences. He takes it with a sense of humor. I think Dr. Bockholt asked him why he kept his mouth open. He said it was to allow the flies to get in. He is firmly convinced of this. All this is the upper part of the organism to begin with. You can see that the head is somewhat narrow here at the front on both sides and compressed especially toward the back. So you once again have a narrow head. It tells us that the will does not enter much into the intellectual system. This part, 
back of the head, shows a powerful presence of the will. This part of the head, front part, is open to external influences only by the route of sensory perception, whereas the back of the head is open to all kinds of external influences, so that the principle which is so marked in the arms and legs already has its beginnings here. The brain grows enlarged. It spreads itself in the back of the head. In some respect, it is most interesting to look at a child like this. Sandro is certainly more interesting than some normal children, though some normal children are more prepossessing. Here in front we have predominantly the part of the brain, of the whole organization of the human head, which receives its substances, its physical matter, from the rest of the organism below. Here something is deposited, which as substance, not in its powers, wholly derives from nourishment coming from outside. Here at the back we come to the part which, in terms of its substance, does not derive from nourishment taken, but has to be taken up through respiration, through the senses and so on, being cosmic in origin. Because the head is compressed here in front, which goes back to a mechanical injury during birth or at the embryonic stage, it is probable that this is a purely mechanical injury, so that you can only consider karma, for it was not caused by heredity. Because the head is compressed here, the boy tends not to let enough substance of the nutrient kind come up into the head. He is altogether not inclined to process the food directly in himself, because there is not enough here, in front, to demand it. And you therefore see quite easily from the outward form of the head that he has to be without appetite at a particular time. This is where too little began to collect of the substance taken in with the food. The limited control exerted over the whole system of limbs also influences the whole respiratory system. Control is limited. The system tends to puff itself up. This is connected with the whole development of the lower jaw. The boy takes in a lot of air, too much of it. Because he is getting too much air into himself, too much substance collects here and in the limbs. With a child like this, the situation is therefore that inhalation does not relate well with exhalation. Relative to the exhalation, his inhalation is too powerful. This means he is unable to develop adequate amounts of carbon dioxide in himself. His carbon dioxide levels are too low. At the same time, you see that the system of limbs is too strongly developed in someone with low carbon dioxide levels. Everything based on the motor system is connected with this. The motor system must, in the course of life, gradually come to serve the principle which exists in the intellectual system. To the child. Now, stand still for a bit. Come over here to me. Do this. He... Bracket. He shows the boy how he is to reach for something. The boy does not do it. Close bracket. It does not matter. We don't have to force him to do it. You see that he finds it difficult to do it. You realize from all this that he does not have the necessary strength to govern his system of metabolism and limbs in the right way. If he were able to govern it, he would raise his arm in the right way. It was in connection with this that the changing of the teeth came late, for it is right only when the system of senses and nerves 
and the system of metabolism and limbs act together that leads to the processes which are behind the changing of the teeth. All these phenomena are very much in accord with one another. What was the result? The result was that initially, when he was born and the system of metabolism and limbs had not yet fully developed, which is the way it is with children, he was able to control it well. People did not notice the anomalous features. It was only in the course of time when the system had developed that the anomaly showed itself. The situation thus was that one might expect him to come relatively late to everything that depends on the upper system having control of the lower one, learning to talk and to walk. The right thing for those early years would of course have been to take very much into account that in the case of this boy, for instance, one would have started simply to move his limbs eurythmically, oneself, very early on, when he was not yet able to walk one would have started eurythmy therapy. The people had started it then, the movements made with his limbs would have been mirrored in the neurosensory organism, and at a time when everything was still flexible, even the form of his head would have broadened. Applying movement forms to a child early on, it is possible still to achieve a great deal in the shaping of the head and one must be terribly glad to be able to still achieve so much in shaping the head. Here, bracket, he was showing this on the child, close bracket, it is difficult where the head, the bones of the skull, have been narrowed through force applied from outside. It is difficult here for the head to get larger. When I was working as a tutor, I had a boy with abnormalities to teach, who was eleven and a half at the time. His parents and the family physician I have written about him in the sixth chapter of my autobiography, did not know what to do. The boy would have to learn a trade. That was a terrible thing. Except for the mother, who was calm, everyone was most upset. For in a respected middle-class family, it was a disgrace to let a boy go into trade. It was not my business to discuss all this. Apart from anything else, the boy was hydrocephalic, and I had made it a condition that he would be put into my hands completely. The situation was that the boy had reached the point where he had sat the exam for one of the lower classes in primary school. All he had done there was that, with a large India rubber, he had made a huge hole in the exercise book. He also had the strange habit of not wanting to eat at the dining table, but would take great pleasure in eating the potato peel put in the waste bin. Eighteen months later, he was able to go to the first class at grammar school. It was a matter of taking the movement of his limbs firmly in hand, and this made the hydrocephalus go away. The head had grown smaller, a sign that it is possible to achieve success. Here the head has narrowed, because due to force supplied from outside a bone in the skull was pushed in, and it will be difficult for it to grow larger, but one could still have achieved something. Now, we face the question as to which of the boy's characteristics is most important in his upbringing. The most significant characteristic is that he has to take his soul and spirit into a body where the powers are not in harmony. Karmic complications are behind this. Believe it or not, the boy is a genius. What do I mean by saying that? He does not understand. 
I mean that his karmic antecedents are such that he could be a genius. But there is an anomaly insofar as under present-day circumstances under which he had to be born, after all, he has not been able to develop the aspects that came from his antecedents. We have the choice of parents. In a way, it had been a difficult one. And so he is looking at the world through difficult physical conditions, which he had initially stiffened and hardened because the powers of the upper and lower human being did not interact harmoniously. The astral body and eye organization cannot enter properly when he wakes up. They come up against something like solid rock in the organism. All the attention that we pay to the world depends on our soul and spirit being able to intervene in the bodily, physical aspect in the right way. For people who are unable to do this, it will initially, when it is merely superficial, be merely an awkwardness, a clumsiness. I must say that a residue of that inability to intervene may be seen in most people today. I find, please forgive these hard words, that most people today are extremely clumsy. People do not grow dexterous. When I consider the 800 children we have in the Waldorf School, it cannot be said that a high percentage of them show outstanding dexterity. You will always find this state of astral body and eye organization having been poured into the physical organization, does not exist for most people, because we are living at a time when the intellect is at its zenith. Our state of mind intervenes only in the skeletal system and no longer in the muscular system. Someone wanting to use his bones will not be dexterous because of it. The intellectual element is only suitable for intervention in the skeletal system and its mobility but needs the help of the muscular system for this. The ability of astral body and eye organization to find a corner in the muscular system is, however, minimal. This is so because our present age does not have the deeply religious, honestly religious character. The confessions are not really made to engender religiosity. The development of muscle on bone depends on having great examples in the world. People need only be able to look to great examples in thought and interaction of the muscular and skeletal systems will result. This boy did, however, take no interest whatsoever in the world from the very beginning. You will realize, however, that in the case of this boy it is absolutely true that thoughts are not altered. For the thoughts which someone produces cannot be wrong as such. It is just a question of whether the person produces them on the right occasion, whether he produces too much or too little thought. They are reflections of the external ether constitution. Asked why he keeps his mouth open, he says, to let the flies get in, That is tremendously clever, but it is a thought wrongly applied. If he were to use it later, thinking of a machine that he is to be invented, This thought might turn out to be a brilliant inventor's idea. Thoughts are always right, for they are within the thought constitution of the cosmic ether. The important point is that the potential is there to connect spirit and soul with the outside world in the right way, through the body in which they dwell. We have to work in two ways with such a child. 
The situation is that with such a boy we must present as few impressions as possible to him and see that associations are made. We present everything we offer in lessons in so few elements that it is manageable. Things become manageable if we make them so, as far as possible, seeing to it, this applies not only in his case, it will prove to be true also for the other children, that the things which the children are supposed to do are accompanied by things that catch their attention. For children who cannot get out of their body, who cannot let the soul principle enter, who do not have control of the bodily element, it is a matter of giving them opportunity to develop as much interest as possible. Let us assume we start to paint, see plate 9. Above all, we must take care not to get anxious if the children, this happens also in the Waldorf school, forgive the hard words, make a right mess. If we take care that everything is always neat and tidy, if we are concerned that everything will always be clean and tidy when the children leave the classroom, that is the wrong principle. That will be less important. What matters will be that the teacher pays close attention to it, that the children have to follow everything they do, every movement of the hand, with attention. Part of this is that we are truly involved in our teaching, and it will be more necessary than with other children that we are all there as we teach them, above all trying to avoid thoughtlessness, and that we are wholly committed. Quote, Look, pick up the brush now. Now draw it across the paper. Close quote. If we follow the whole activity in this way, with words that make the child attentive, we will have done a great deal. You will see that much can be done there until the twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth year, to let the body grow flexible. Doing these things, it must be possible for us to say, quote, Look, there is the tree, now paint the tree that is out there. See plate 9, close, close quote. You are all there. Quote, Look, the little horse comes along there, close quote, and you draw attention to the colors. Quote, now, Mussolini, the little dog, is coming to meet the horse. The little dog barks at the little horse, and the little horse does this with his legs. Close quote. You aim to put as much into it as possible. This liveliness, which has spirit in it, is really and truly transmitted to the children. To influence the children in this way, you have to develop enthusiasm and temperament. You cannot teach the children if you are dull when working with them, if you are not inclined to enter into lively movement as much as possible yourself. It is not a matter of being able to use specially defined skills, but of doing what really matters in every case. We also must not fail to involve the children in as much conversation as possible. Sandro used not to join in the conversation. Now he does. You can see how far he joins in. Quote, Do you remember how you once told me that a little horse had come? Tell me, how big is the little horse? Have you also been leading the little horse? Close quote. Quote, yes, the little horse is always trotting around the Sonnenhof. It lies on the grass. Close quote. Quote again. Is it in the stable when it is raining? Is there a big horse as well? Close quote. Quote, yes, it is called Marcus. Close quote. When you spend time with him, he'll now enter into the conversation. 
Before, he would shout at you. It is extraordinarily interesting that he was only speaking English when he came to us. He has learned German relatively quickly. You see a beautiful example here of how the language has poured into his ether body and physical body. But the language is more firmly organized in his case than with other children. So one will be able to study marvelously well how the speech organization is seated in there. He does not say Ich bin gewesen, but Ich habe gebeen. He finds his way into German using the configuration of English. He says lots of similar things. Ge aveg. Footnote. German for go away is ge weg. And a footnote. And you can see from the way in which the English language has become firmly established in him that his body has stiffened. If we now see to it that he talks a lot, that we have lots of conversations with him, you see, then something more powerful has to be overcome than in other children. For anything he has learned stays awfully fixed. And by bringing life into him, always new life, the stiffened elements in him will grow flexible. If we manage to get him to say, I have been, in proper German, he will have overcome a great deal. He will then have evoked mobility, flexibility in himself. We should not do this by dinning it into him, but by tirelessly continuing with conversation. Above all, such a child must grow aware that we are interested in him, that we enter into the things he does. You ask such a child about the things he needs to know by basing questions on what he has been undertaking. We show real interest in his experiences. That is important. You now merely have to bring to mind how eurythmy therapy can have an effect on such a boy. Let us say he does R and L. R is rotation. Something is turning. There's a lively mobility in it. Most of you who are taking part in the eurythmy course will also know what the L signifies. Think of the powers of configuration which the tongue develops with the L. L is, therefore, the letter which shows a way of nestling close, entering into something. He will need the process of making the organism supple if he is to be able to enter into something. If you consider that for a boy like this, the process of inhalation predominates in respiration, as I explained, you will have to say to yourself, quote, we have to see to it that the exhalation process is as far as possible stimulated sympathetically, which happens with M. That is the exhalation sound. When it is done in eurythmy, a whole system of limbs comes to help one in the sound. N takes one back into the intellectual sphere. So we will do R, L, M, N. Close quote. Once again, you see, if one has a full overview of a situation, then it will also be the case that one knows what to do. You have to know the nature of the sound. You have to be fully conversant with eurythmy. And on the other hand, you must have insight into the bodily organization in a real sense. These are two things we can learn. They are totally lacking in present-day education. With a boy like this, you will also have to make sure, to an even greater degree, that he can learn to write through painting. You start to teach it by painting in the way I have suggested.
You can see from all this that the astral body and the eye organization are not penetrating into this physical body and ether body. We have to provide help. We must also provide medical help. What do we have to support? The nervous system insofar as it is the basis for the astral body and the eye organization. How do we achieve this? We must first of all influence the nervous system. How do we do that? Essentially there are three ways of influencing people medically. By mouth, by injection, with baths or washes. If you give something by mouth, what does it act on? Essentially on the metabolic system. You reckon that the action is simply on the metabolic system when you give things by mouth. To act on the rhythmic system, you have to use injections. To act on the nervous system, you have to come from the outside, giving baths or washes. Arsenic has a powerful effect on the liveliness of the astral body, where it seeks to enter fully, and also on the form of the astral body. Looking at people taking courses of arsenic, you will see how their astral body is sliding into their physical body. With a child such as this, where we need to create harmony between astral body and ether body and physical body, it will be arsenic baths that are needed, a specific amount of levico water with a specific percentage content in his bath, which will influence the nervous system and strengthen the astral body. Further help is also needed because this is a case where the head system is not acting strongly enough on the rest of the body. We can assist the flow that goes from the head to the lower organization, a flow that is particularly strong in the first years of life but continues also between the changing of the teeth and sexual maturity, actually being stronger at the end of that period than it was in the seventh, ninth, or eleventh year. We can ensure correspondence between metabolic system and nervous system by taking the secretion from the pituitary gland. We take this, we produce it. Characteristically, it meets this flow of powers and acts from the head to harmonize the system of limbs. Treatment will thus consist in hypophysis cerebri, arsenic baths, and eurythmy therapy as stated. When these things act together, we will make progress with a boy like this. But you see, we really must stress, especially with something like this, that one must have a feeling for being fully present with these things. Especially when educating children like these, we must be fully present. Possibilities will develop on the basis of the anthroposophical movement for us to be fully present with such things once we have developed the attitude where one is as much as possible present in all situations. There are obstacles to this. It can be a bit painful at times when you come to anthroposophical settlements or get-togethers. Footnote, Rudolf Steiner actually put mobs here. Clo uh, end of footnote. Sometimes there is such a leaden weight there. You can't get people to be flexible. Leaden weight is there. No one will open their mouth when you start a discussion, their tongues being as heavy as lead as well. People make long faces. They are so little inclined to be cheerful. Have a laugh. What is most needed in educating these children? Not the leaden weight, but humor, genuine humor, humor in life. In spite of all kinds of clever tricks, 
We will not be able to educate such children unless we have the necessary everyday humor. There is certainly need in the anthroposophical movement that people have a feeling for liveliness, flexibility. I don't want to say too much, but it is certainly true that one is least understood when, if there is some calamity, what's to be done, I say, quote, have enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is what really matters, close quote. And enthusiasm matters especially when you work with children with anomalies. This is what I wanted to say to you today. The end of Lecture 6